0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: The essence of Christianity is not that we're trying by our good works and our religion and our morality and our rule following to ascend up to God. The essence of Christianity is that God came down to us. There's no way for us to get up to heaven, there's no way for us to ascend up to heaven where we can know God. The only way for us to know God is if he steps down from heaven into our world, and that's what he did in the person of Jesus Christ.
0: No matter how many times we might read it, hear it, or otherwise, we can never be reminded enough that our works are insufficient for salvation. Not only does this remind us of just how gracious and merciful God is, but it also serves to keep us from falling into legalism. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you that not one person is capable of earning God's favor, save Jesus Christ. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding of just how sweet the gospel truly is, that God himself would come down to man. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Be born when he's old. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's way off here, man. He is not tracking with Jesus at all on this whole thing about being born again. You know, you can picture him with his hands on his head saying, How? How is it even possible that you can be born again? I mean, you just enter into your mother's womb? How? And look, Jesus explains, he says in verse 5: Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, the phrase born of water, it simply refers to physical birth. Physical birth. When a woman goes into labor, her labor begins with what? Her water breaking. My water just broke. Right? We use that kind of terminology still today. We talk about Physical birth. So born of water is just speaking of physical birth. And Jesus says here to qualify for entrance into the kingdom of God, we must have two kinds of birth, physical birth, and we must be born of the spirit or a spiritual birth. You must be born of water and born of the spirit. And then he tells us that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So I kind of wonder if Nicodemus just had this super puzzled look on his face when Jesus said, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You can tell by the look on his face. I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, if you're here uh, and you're thinking the same thing, like what what are you talking about, born again? Again, what does that even mean? What's what's the how do you do that? What's the process? Well, Jesus, in verse eight, now describes what it means to be born again. And what he does here is he compares spiritual birth to the wind and the way that the wind works. And and what he's doing here in verse eight, it's really a play on words, because in the Greek, the word for wind and the word for spirit, it's the same word in the Greek pneuma. He says in verse eight, the wind blows where it wishes And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus says, you you know, you hear the wind when it blows, but you can't you can't see the wind. You can't see where the wind comes from or where the wind goes. Now, you can listen, you can see the effect of the wind, but you can't see the wind, but you see the effect of the wind you probably saw pictures uh, from Hurricane Michael that hit the Gulf Coast of Florida near Panama City Beach back on October 10th. And you saw the pictures of the, the devastation. You saw the effect of the wind. You didn't see the wind, but you could see the effect of the wind on those communities down there. And Jesus says here, so is everyone Born of the Spirit, you see the effect of the Spirit in a person's life. Now, just like when you saw those pictures of Hurricane Michael uh, in in northern Florida, you saw the effect. How many of you saw some of the before and after pictures? Right, where it would show like a neighborhood before the storm, and then it would show it afterwards, and it's gone. Just see something. Anybody raise your hand if you saw those pictures? Yes, some of you saw them, right? You, you could see the before and after. If you didn't know there was a hurricane, a category four hurricane that came ashore there, and you saw those before and after pictures, you know what you would say? Something happened. Right? Something happened. Because I can tell. Because this is what it looked like before, and this is what it looks like now. Something happened. So it is with the Spirit of God. When a person is born again by the Spirit, you can see the effect of the Spirit in that person's life. And you see, something's happened to this person. They're different. They're changed. They're not who they were before. They don't look the same. They don't act the same. It's just like with that that hurricane damage. Those towns are never going to look the same again. They're changed forever. So it is with the Spirit. When a person is born again of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit changes you forever. And your life doesn't look the same. There's a before and an after. There's a BC and an AD, right? I, I remember the when I was 26 years old, I gave my life to Christ and, uh, one night in my bedroom. I got down on my knees, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I was born again that night. And the next day, a friend of ours happened to stop by, and she was a Christian. And I started talking to her, and she said, "What's going on with you? What happened?" There was a before and an after. She could see the effect of the Holy Spirit on my life. There's a difference. And when a person is born again, you see the effect of the Spirit working in their life. There's a before and there's an after. There's a B.C. There's an A.D. You know, the Bible puts it this way. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away and behold, everything is made new. They're born again. They're born again. Their life is never the same again. It never looks the same again. But Nicodemus, he still didn't get it. Look at verse nine. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how, how can these things be? And Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you now notice the pronoun. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. Jesus is speaking of the Father and the Holy Spirit and himself here. And in verse 11, the whole Godhead, we testify to you. He's speaking of the Trinity, the Godhead. And he goes on to say, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, something they don't understand, you don't believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He goes on in verse 13, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. He says no one has ever ascended to heaven and then returned back to earth, but the son of man has come down from heaven to the earth. Now, this is the core of Christianity right here. This is the core doctrine or teaching of Christianity, that no one can ascend into heaven and apprehend God. It's not possible. Now, most of the world's religions are attempting to ascend into heaven to apprehend God. Christianity is the opposite of the world's religions. And the essence of Christianity is not that we're trying by our good works and our religion and our morality and our rule following to ascend up to God. The essence of Christianity is that God came down to us. There's no way for us to get up to heaven. There's no way for us to ascend up to heaven where we can know God. The only way for us to know God is if he steps down from heaven into our world, and that's what he did in the person of Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. God became a man. He took on human flesh to reveal himself to us. Now, verse 14, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life here, Jesus refers to a story from the Old Testament, from Numbers chapter 21. If you're taking notes, if you remember the story in Numbers 21, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness wandering, God was leading them. God was providing for them. But they started complaining against God and they were complaining about God's provision. They were complaining about the manna. They were sick of the manna. When they first started getting the manna, they were excited about it. But over time, they got sick of it. It's kind of like Krispy Kreme donuts, right? You know, if you love them, but after you've had like 10 or 11 of them, oh, man, I don't want another Krispy Kreme donut. Sick of it. Well, that's how the children of Israel were. They just they got sick of it, tired of it. They started complaining about God's provision. Careful, careful not to complain about God's provision for you. Because you know what he did? He allowed fiery serpents to come into the camp of Israel. Those fiery serpents were always there in the wilderness, in the desert. He was just protecting them. And he got to a point where he just stopped protecting them. He lifted his hand of protection, and he allowed the serpents to come in. The serpents started to bite people in the camp of Israel. And many people of Israel died as a result of these fiery serpents. And then God told Moses to make a serpent, fashion a serpent of bronze, And put that serpent on a pole, a cross. And hold it up in front of the people. And tell the people to look to the serpent that's on the pole. The serpent which is killing them. The serpent which is causing their death. Look to this symbol of the serpent. On the pole. And when you look to the serpent on the pole, you'll live. And. I'm sure some of the children of Israel probably thought, well, that's, that's foolish. How in the world is that going to save us? Just like people say the same thing about the cross, right? That's foolish. The cross is foolishness. How in the world will God becoming a man and dying on a cross save me from my sins and give me eternal life? That doesn't make sense. Well, God didn't tell us to understand it. He told us just to believe it. Right? And Moses didn't go into some long Theological thesis on the salvation that's found in that bronze serpent. People were dying. People were dying. In no way. In no way of escaping. And Moses comes and says, if you look, you look at the serpent on this pole, the serpent on this cross. You'll live. You're dying. You'll try anything. And those that looked to the serpent on the pole, they lived. And Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus that that serpent on the pole was a picture of him and his death on the cross. It was a reference to his crucifixion. And when Jesus Christ is lifted up on the cross. And all of our sin is put upon him. The thing that is causing death. Is put upon Jesus on the cross. Those who look to Jesus on the cross and believe by faith that he's our sin bearer. They'll be saved. They'll receive eternal life. And again, some might say, that seems foolish to me. I don't understand. You don't have to understand it. The fact is you're dying in your sin. All of us are. We all have a terminal disease called sin. And for some of us, it's going to take 80 or 90 years for that sin to finally take us out. We're all dying. And God is now providing a way For us to be saved. He's providing a way for us to escape and to receive eternal life. We just have to look to the cross, look to Jesus on the cross.
0: Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs.
1: Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer requests with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish
1: today's message. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the, verse 16 is the gospel in a nutshell. It's the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Uh, the Gideons who place Bibles in hotel rooms and the Gideon's Bible They have John 3.16 on the inside front cover. I think it's 27 different languages. Because this is the gospel. If you understand John 3.16, you understand the way to receive eternal life. And look at the verse again. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on that cross. Why? Because God loves us. That's what that was his motivation, because God loves us. He sent his son to die as the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins, to rescue us and to save us because he loves us. And he tells us in this verse, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have Everlasting life, and that word "whoever" it means whoever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It doesn't matter how messed up your life is as a result of it. it doesn't matter. You're a whoever. We're all a whoever. Anyone's a whoever. And whoever it says whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you of your sins and he'll give you eternal life with him. And I want you to see here. I want you to see in verse 16. There's actually kind of two steps to this verse. The first step God took, he sent his son. So God's already done his part. Now, the second step, second step we have to take We have to believe in him. You should read John 3, 16 with your name inserted in the verse. For God so loved Dan that he gave his only begotten son. If Dan believes in him, Dan will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now he goes on here, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God doesn't want to condemn people. He wants to save people. Jesus didn't come to condemn us for our sins. He came to save us from our sins. Now look at verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're not condemned for your sins. But he who does not believe, look what it says is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. A person, listen, a person is not condemned because they've rejected Jesus Christ. Do you understand what verse 18 is saying? It's saying to us, a person is condemned already. You're already condemned. We were already condemned, all of us. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins When God sent his son on a rescue mission to save us from our condemnation that we were already in. So if a person rejects Jesus Christ, rejects the gospel, rejects the eternal life that he offers. Well, they're already condemned. They're not condemned because they've rejected him. They were already condemned. He's trying to save us from our condemnation. All of us are condemned in our sins. And he's just trying to save us from our condemnation and rescue us. Now, why would someone reject that? I mean, he's telling us, hey, you're already you're already condemned for what you've done. I'm offering you eternal life. I'm offering you salvation. I'm offering you forgiveness. Why in the world would anyone reject that? He tells us in verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. It tells us the only reason someone would reject that offer is because they love darkness. They love their sin. They love their sin and they don't want to give it up. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen That they have been done in God. So listen. Give me your attention. Are you born again? Are you born again? Because that's the only way you can get into heaven. If you're born again. By the Spirit. And you'll know if you're born again. There will be a definite before and after. You'll see the effect of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You'll be a changed person if you're truly born again. Jesus said you must be born again. It's the only way. It's not going to be works. It's not going to be, you know, morality or good deeds or being a good person. None of that will get you into heaven. You have to be born again. And he tells us in this passage that God loves us. God doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us. From our sin, save us from condemnation and give us eternal life. And listen, listen to me, listen to me. If you're not a Christian, I'm telling you on the authority of scripture, you're condemned already. You're condemned already. And God is offering you salvation. He's throwing you a lifeline through Jesus Christ. And it's the only lifeline. It's the only lifeline God offers. If you believe on Jesus Christ, all your sins will be forgiven and you'll receive eternal life. That's the promise. That's the promise. He asked me how I know and I say truer than the finest crystal.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith to set aside personal agendas and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410 491 4592 That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize